I'm Danette Lowe, founder of True North Wealth Management and your host. Welcome to a fresh episode of Ready to Retire. If you're starting to think about retirement, wondering if you've saved enough and want to learn more about how everything fits together, you're in the right place. On this show, I'll tackle complicated financial topics and break them down into easy to understand concepts. If you're ready to live an amazing life filled with family, friends, travel, and interesting experiences, you're in the right place. Are you ready to retire? Let's go. Hello, Danette here. In this episode, we're going to talk about the prevalence of online scams and some of the things we can do to protect ourselves from becoming a victim of them, and also what to do if it has happened and we have become a victim of a scam or identity theft. The other day at work, I got an email and it said, are you looking to hire a virtual bookkeeper? Well, I was thinking about hiring a bookkeeper and it probably knows that I was from my Google searches or however they do that. I looked at the email and it had an introduction and it had a couple of lists of links to click on, see our lower rates. Here's our services that we offer. Then I noticed at the bottom that it was from a Gmail account and they didn't have a phone number and their business didn't have a website. And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to hire someone as a bookkeeper and they're not going to have a phone number or a website. What happens if I give them all of my banking information, right, to manage my books? That could really go wrong for me. So I put the email in the trash. I don't open them. I put the email in the trash. A couple days later, got a similarly worded email. And I thought, okay, that's from a different person, but it's almost the same. So I deleted it. And then the next day or two days later, I got two of those emails with the same subject. And they were virtually word for word, but from different people. And then I thought, wow, really, for sure. (laughs) This is a like a common scam that's going around. And at first glance, if you are looking for a bookkeeper and you saw the email, which You know, one of the usual ways we could tell that it was a scam is because the English was so bad. In this case, all of the grammar was pretty good. I mean, it looked pretty legitimate. And if you would have just clicked on a link, or if I would have just clicked on that link to see what their pricing was, I think I could have gotten into trouble on that one. So it was very, very clever. And I was thinking about it and realizing. Just how many times per day I'm getting either a phone call or an email that is from someone trying to scam or get our identity or information. And a couple of weeks ago, I published an article. It's available on our blog. We'll put a link to it in the description below. But I published an article called Online Scam Awareness and How to Protect Yourself. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this today is because as we're preparing for retirement, when something like this happens, if we fall victim to one of these scams, 
it can throw things off. It can cost us time, money, energy, effort. So I thought with it being so prevalent right now, it would really be a wonderful thing to talk about on this podcast. So that's what we're going to do today. I want to start by telling you a story about my grandfather. My grandfather was a businessman. He owned a restaurant at one point. He worked for the city, the county, actually. And he was really smart, in my opinion. And he was very interested in the stock market and stocks. And one day, a gentleman called him up pitching a stock, and Grandpa bought some. A few weeks later, the stock ended up becoming worthless. So that initial investment went away, went to zero. A few days later, the gentleman who sold him the stock called my grandpa back and said, if you fill out this paperwork, you will get a refund. We shouldn't have sold you the stock to begin with. And that if you fill out this paperwork, you'll get a refund. Grandpa did. He filled out the paperwork, got a refund. And sure enough, a few weeks later, he was reimbursed his initial investment. Well, that created a tremendous amount of trust with the individual who ended up perpetrating the scam. Because he invested the money, lost the money. The guy said, fill out this paperwork. He did. And he got a refund. He got the money back. A few weeks later, this gentleman called my grandpa up and he said, I can't work for this firm anymore. It's disreputable. I'm going to go out on my own and I'd like you to be an initial investor in this stockbroker firm I'm creating. And my grandpa was thrilled to have this opportunity. He thought that that was great. He trusted this guy. He liked this guy. He liked the stock market. He was interested in the stock market. And he was really excited and he ended up investing a really significant amount of money for him, maybe not for everyone else, but for him, it was a lot of money he invested. And he had a lot of conversations with the guy. The guy was telling him this, that, and the other, how things, good things were going. And my grandpa actually got in the car and drove to the location where the business was supposed to be. When he arrived, he arrived to find nothing but plywood on top of cardboard boxes and telephone lines, exactly like a scene to a movie. He was a little surprised by, you know, this makeshift office. They weren't real desks. It was literally plywood. And the gentleman came over and it said to my grandpa, see that building next to us? We're in the top floor. And our offices are currently being remodeled or renovated and customized and all that. And in the meantime, we're working here in the basement of this building and we're working hard for you and we're doing this and that. And Grandpa was, was excited. He believed that to be the case and believed it to be true. I think you could tell where I'm going with this. A few months later, the gentleman stopped returning Grandpa's calls. And when he finally got a hold of someone, she said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but all your money is gone. And he has skipped town. This man took his wife on a Paris honeymoon vacation. 
He had elaborate parties and elaborate things and spent a lot of the money and never made the business and never did the business. And all the money that grandpa invested was gone. He was heartbroken. And the thing that got me about this is that my grandfather was not a dumb man. He was not diminished. He did not have diminished capacity. He was a business owner himself. He is a trusting person, a normal person like everyone else. And I don't think he did anything wrong. My only thing that he maybe did wrong was put too much of his investment into one thing. So he wasn't diversified well, but that would be my like only criticism of what he did. And it really stuck with me. I always thought like if he could become a victim to something like that, then anybody could. Any one of us could fall into circumstances. And one of the real key things that these online scammers are counting on is we're going to be too embarrassed to tell other people. We're going to be too embarrassed to talk about it. And they're going to get away with it things because we're like shamed into not telling and not opening up the light and not wanting to admit this. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the most common scenarios that I've learned about also how to protect ourselves from getting involved in these to begin with, to the extent that we can, and then also a few tips of what to do if it happens and we've been a victim of a scam or even identity theft. So I talked about this a little bit earlier. One of the key things that used to really make an online scam obvious is when they spoke in or wrote an email, the English was not very good. Like the English was definitely broken, definitely just not proper grammar. So you could sort of spot that. You realize that the person writing that does not speak English. And not that that means that they're a scammer, but that used to be a tell. That's not really the case anymore. They've gotten wise to that. And there's so many online grammar checking services. It is not technically obvious. Like I was talking about earlier, the email that I got about wanting to hire a virtual bookkeeper, that was pretty well written. There was one grammar error in that whole thing, but it was minor and I think really could have overlooked it. So that used to be one of the key things, but that's not happening anymore. They're much more sophisticated today. One of the most common types of scams that's happening is the inheritance or windfall transfer tax scheme. So what that means is the cyber criminal will approach us and say, you've inherited a large sum of money from what appears to be a legitimate source. They usually provide us with very cleverly done, legitimate-looking documents. I had someone fall victim to one of these scams. Actually, her friend did. And her friend asked to borrow money to pay this transfer tax because she was thinking she was going to receive $2 million. They were wanting $45,000 to pay this transfer tax 
And it, once she paid that $45,000, she would receive $2.4 million. This was many, many years ago. And, and the lady that fell victim to it, she didn't have 45000 So she went to my friend and asked to borrow the money. And my friend agreed to lend her the money. And I said, wait, this sounds like a transfer tax scheme. I said, don't do it. You know, it sounds like a scheme. And my friend said, no, no, I've seen the paperwork. This is legitimate. This is legitimate. I've seen the paperwork. Again, my friend did not have diminished capacity, is not a dumb person. This is how sophisticated these people have become. Another scheme that's happening is called the lottery winner scheme. What happens is they approach someone and say, I'm representing someone who has won a lottery. And they'll have a lot of details, right? They will be claiming to represent a recent lottery winner. So you might be able to, you know, Google the person's name and see, yes, that person did in fact win a lottery. And this person will come to you and say, I'm representing a person who won a lottery. They won a lot of money. They don't need it all. And they want to distribute it around to other people. And they will also have legitimate looking documentation. They will want you to pay a fee to transfer the money to you. So those are two very similar. The next one I'm going to talk about is called the romance scam. This one really breaks my heart because there is so much more involved than money, right? Your emotions are get involved. And it's not as easy to spot as some of the other ones where it feels like it's, oh, you know, the lottery winner scheme, it's too good to be true. This one is someone meets you maybe online, right? Maybe through Facebook, through a dating app, chat rooms, online games, social media. Recently, very recently, in fact, I've had a couple of people put comments into my posts on Facebook saying that I looked like someone they would want to meet and that I looked like an angel. And it was so creepy. It was so creepy. And it's a little bit different. I think you are able to tag that as a scam, as a spam right now. But the first one you couldn't because it was just a comment on your, like a picture you posted. Imagine being in kind of a vulnerable situation and getting this nice post about someone who wants to be friends. And it had all these little heart emojis and flowers. And you think, oh, that's a nice person. So just be aware that this is happening. Awareness, I think, is the whole point of this, is that it'll help us a lot just by being aware of some of these scams. The other one that is still very, very popular, again, it also breaks my heart. It's called the grandparent scam. The grandparent scam works like this. You'll receive a phone call from someone who says in kind of a timid and weak voice, and they'll say, Grandma, when we say, Joey, is that you? And they'll respond, yes, yes, Grandma, it's me. And they'll pretend to be in jail or some other dire situation. And they say they've lost their phone. They've had this happen. They really messed up, but they need some money. They need to get bailed out. And please don't tell my parents. I want to tell them in person, you know, please help me out, Grandma. Please help me out. This happened to a friend of mine. They called her up and she answered the phone 
And they said grandma, and she suggested the name of who she thought it sounded like. And the man said, yes, it's me. And she called her brother and went down to the police station and almost gave the person money. And that's tough, you know? I mean, it's just tough because we're going through our daily lives and the majority of people are honest, hardworking, good people. The majority of us. And so when these scammers come, they're playing on that. They're so successful because we want to believe the good in people. We want to believe in the rightness of people. Let's talk about a couple of other scams. Phone call scams are really increasing like crazy. I get scam phone calls constantly, almost, almost daily. The IRS will not call you. Have you ever tried to get through to the IRS? They're really hard to get a hold of if you have an issue and you have to call them. They're not going to call you. So if you get a call from someone claiming to be from the IRS or an employee from a credit card company or from a software company, one of the common phone call scams are, these are computer scams too, but they call and say they're from Microsoft or they call, they say they're from Norton Antivirus and they proceed with their script and it works and they have become very, very sophisticated. In most cases, they'll ask us to verify our identity to prove that it's really us on the phone. And then they have our sensitive information, which they can then use against us after we hang up. The next one I learned about not too long ago, it is really diabolical. This one is the FBI scam or Interpol or similar. What happens is once you are on to the fact that you're being scammed, then you and you stop all communication. This one is that group or organization calls up and pretends to be from an organization like the FBI or Interpol or something, and they'll say, hey, we have good news. We found the scammers. We uncovered some money, and it's in another country. And if you pay us these fees, then we'll be able to reimburse you for the money that you lost. Good news for you, right? And you think, oh my gosh, you think, oh, yay, I'm going to get my money back. And just that air of authority that they're presenting when they call. And it could be so easy to fall victim to this one. I absolutely got the chills when I heard about it the first time. These types of online scams, and there are many, many others. When I first wrote the article and talked about some of these things, I got tons and tons of calls from people who read it and said, oh yeah, this happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me. And it's so common these days. It's so successful because they start by trying to establish a relationship with us and gain our trust, like the gentleman did to my grandfather so many years ago. They established a relationship and gained our trust. They didn't ask for anything necessarily in the beginning. The other part that makes them seem legitimate is the documentation. 
they have really become sophisticated and have very sophisticated documentation. The other part is if it happens to us, we might feel silly, we might feel embarrassed, we might feel ashamed, and we just don't, you don't need to. It can be very difficult to talk about these things, but if it happens, please do. So how do we protect ourselves from these online scams? What are some of the things we can do? Well, there's a few things, and there's probably a lot more things we can do in this list, but I'm going to share a couple of ideas. The first one is involve a friend or family member. So before we give money to someone that we've met online, it's a good idea to run it by a family member or a close friend to see what they think. Get somebody else involved to help, you know, see if there's any red flags in the situation. Another really good idea is to run it by your financial advisor. In our industry, we receive a ton of continuing education on this type of topic. At Commonwealth, the broker-dealer I'm affiliated with, they send us an email once a month that's a fake email, and we have to catch it. And so we're always on the alert for these fake emails. But we get a lot of training. So if you have someone asking you for money, take it in to your financial advisor. Have them look at it before you give them money. Don't just go to the bank and make a withdrawal. A teller at a bank is not going to have the ability to stop you. If you're going to a bank to make a withdrawal, the bank teller is going to just do it because you're asking to do it. It's not their place to judge, right? So take your transaction to your financial advisor and run it by them. See what they say. Another way to protect yourself is, like the first example I talked about, is watch out for email links. The common things with emails is to have the name of a well-known company in the email address. So it might say Walmart contest winner or Home Depot distributions. Or you've won a contest and here's, here's the one. One of the text scams I get is similar to the AT&T. So AT&T sends us a text once a month when our bill gets paid. It seems like a couple of times a month I get a text from a scammer that says, congratulations, you paid your AT&T bill. Click this link for some contests that you've won. Well, no, don't do that. Look at the address of emails when they come in. Don't click on any links. Don't open it. If your email is set to automatically open, change the setting. You can change it in, I think, any program. And the other thing, like when you're processing email, when you're doing your email, one of the things that you could do to protect yourself is to make sure you're not in a stressful situation when you're doing it. So like sometimes I'll open my email box and there'll be like 35 emails sitting there. And I think, oh my gosh, I only have 20 minutes to get through 35 emails. And you just are powering through emails and you're clicking and opening, deleting. And if you're in that space where you just have a couple of minutes and you're really trying to power through, you might not be as careful. So when you're processing your email, personal email, your work email, 
really do it when you have time. Really take the time to look at what it is. Look at the email address. One of the most common things, too, is for the scammers to impersonate someone you know. So you may get an email that says it's from the person, but the email address isn't their email address. So they'll copy someone's name from knowing who you're friends with on Facebook. The other way to protect ourselves, this is one that I use constantly and I tell everybody about, is to utilize your voicemail. If you set your phone to silence unknown callers, if it's legitimate, that person will leave a message. If it's not, they either won't leave a message or you'll be able to tell by the message that they leave that it's not legitimate. Like for me, if, if it's a doctor calling, typically I don't have all of their extensions in my contact list. So they'll say, you know, this is Dr. So-and-so, please call us back. And then you can add that person to your contact list very easily. And then the next time you'll get their call. So I think that's a great service, a great feature. And I literally have maybe two to three calls a day go directly to voicemail that I don't have to deal with. I just delete the voicemail. What can we do if we've become a victim of one of these types of scams? The number one thing, as soon as you realize that this relationship or this person or this thing that you're involved with is not legitimate, the first thing to do is cease all communications. Cold turkey, just cease all communications. That's the first most important thing to do that. The next thing we can do is to change our phone number. We don't want to change our phone number. Changing our phone number is a huge pain, but it's a real effective way to stop the type of communication because once the people realize that you're on to them, they will be more and more persistent, and then they will activate things like the FBI scam where they pretend to have recovered your money. So changing your phone number, changing your email address are two great things to do if you have become a victim of one of these types of scams. If we suspect we're involved in a scam, changing our passwords is very important. Do that as soon as possible. And also be careful of emails or websites that come to you that want you to change your password. Don't click on anything. If you have to change your password, you go into the website of the place you need to change your password on. One of the things that you can do is keep multiple email addresses. Keep one email address for banking and then one email address for shopping and maybe one for your friends. Don't keep all of your life, all of your communications in one email address. That might also save you. If you've become a victim of a scam, file a police report. Getting the proper authorities on the case as soon as possible will bring us peace of mind and if it gets as far as being reported onto your credit, they will ask for a police report as documentation to help you clean up any credit. In our case, my husband lost a checkbook. Somebody picked it up and took the check to the bank and tried to cash a check, then took the checkbook to a Kmart 
and was able to establish a credit line for $1,400, which of course they did not pay. And we started getting letters from a collection agency. And I thought those letters were scams because we didn't have any $1,400 bill that we weren't paying. So I thought the letters were scams. So I just shredded them. And it turns out that this was on our credit report and we found out about it. We filed the police report. And later on, we had to supply the police report to the bank because it was showing up on our credit. If we've become a victim, tell someone, tell a friend, tell a family member. It might feel embarrassing. It might feel like, oh, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this. I let this happen. But please tell someone, get support just to have someone to commiserate with. Anyone that you talk to, it'll help them because they'll maybe be less likely to fall for something. And again, these people are so sophisticated these days. It is not a matter of you doing something wrong. So please tell someone. You can put a lock on your credit report. This is a great idea. It's very easy to do. There are three credit reporting agencies, and it's very easy to put a lock on your credit, especially for an extended period of time. If you need to access your own credit, then you can remove the lock do your transaction, and put the lock back on. That could definitely save you some grief. My last suggestion is to tell your accountant, tell your attorney, tell your financial advisor. Get a professional involved to help you in the situation, to help you through it, and they might have ideas and suggestions. I hope that these things have been helpful the number of attempts to gain access to our identity is ever increasing, and the people doing it are more and more sophisticated. If it happens to you, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. You didn't do anything wrong. And hopefully I've given you some steps you can take to help mitigate any future damage. And I just think this is such an important thing to talk about. It breaks my heart to see when people do have this happen to them, and it just seems like we're getting bombarded. So I wanted to spend some time today talking about that. I hope it's been helpful. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Ready to Retire. I'm your host and certified financial planning professional, Danette Lowe. For over 20 years, I've been helping busy professionals beautifully navigate the transition from working full-time and saving their money to confidently retire and live the lifestyle they've worked so hard to create. For more action items and help as you approach retirement, sign up for our newsletter at truenorthwealth.com. That's T-R-U North wealth, all one word, dot com. I'll be back next time with more retirement planning fun. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.